I want to read uh, one verse to you, and then I'm going to be reading a number of verses, but uh, let's pray together, okay? Father, thank you again for this free country that we live in. God, help us to see as Christians the work that you have for us to do in this free country that you've given unto us. Forgive us, Father, when we've stood silent. Forgive us, Father, when we haven't been your witnesses. Forgive us, Father, when it's been easier to criticize what's been happening in our country rather than sharing the love of Jesus Christ with those around us. So, Father, help all of us. Help me, Father, to understand the work that you have for me and for us as your followers, as your children, as disciples of your Son, Jesus Christ. Prepare our hearts, Lord, to take the Lord's Supper again. And, Father, thank you for the work that your Son has done for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. John 17, 4. John 17, Jesus is praying before his death. It's a beautiful prayer. And there's so much within this prayer, but verse 4, listen to this. Jesus said, I glorified thee on earth, having accomplished the work which thou gavest me to do. That is a remarkable verse. I've glorified you on earth. I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. As we take again the Lord's Supper, we remember the work that Jesus has done for us. And let me just quickly and briefly mention what, mention what that work is. Jesus became the Lamb of God that has taken away the sins of the world. His body was broken. His blood was shed to free us from a number of things. And let me just mention three, okay? Jesus' broken body and shed blood frees us, number one, from the wages of sin. What is the wages of sin? Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, both physical and spiritual. And Jesus' work was to free us from death. Now, you and I know that we're going to die. There's a time appointed for us to die physically but when we are born again into the kingdom of God, we never, ever die spiritually because of what Jesus has done for us. You remember what Jesus said in John 11? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he's talking about spiritually. Secondly, Jesus' death has freed us from the domination of sin. You remember last Sunday, and I'm not trying to harp back on that, that in biblical times there were, there were two ways that people became slaves. Either they were captured by a foreign empire and they then were made slaves of that empire or they became so indebted that they had to get someone to pay their debt and they became a slave to that person. And folks... I want to tell you, you and I know that one of the things that sin does to us, it enslaves us. It consumes us. It dominates us. We become addicted to it in many different forms. But Jesus has freed us from the domination, from slavery to sin over our lives. And a third thing that Jesus has saved us from 
is eternal separation from God. What you and I understand as hell. Jesus in this verse, John 17, 4 said, I have accomplished the work which thou, the Father, has given me to do. Now, let me tell you where the inspiration came for this message, okay? And, and please, again, please forgive me, but everyday life, I think, is where God speaks to us often. Since school is out, my granddaughter Ella is staying at the house with us, I mean, during the day, and, and her mother drops her off on the way to work. Well, I was getting ready to leave the house one day, and, and she said, where are you going, granddaddy? And I said, I'm going to work. And she asked this question. She said, what is your work? Now, you know what my work is. I'm a preacher, right? I'm a pastor. But yet, folks, as I pondered that question, I thought about what is my work, what is your work, what is the work of this church for Jesus Christ? And you know what? Even if I were not a pastor or a preacher, there is still work that Jesus desires that I do. So here's where I'm headed with this, and I'm, not, I'm speaking to myself as well as you, but I want to ask you something. What is the work that Christ has for me and you outside of me being a pastor? What does the Lord want me doing on a day-to-day basis? I think he's trying to tell me something about retirement. You know what I'm saying? Just because I might not be in this pulpit doesn't mean that I'm not going to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and folks, I want, I want to ask you something. Do you know, and again, I, I'm, I'm preaching this to myself, do you know, do I know our scriptural job description? Let me say that again. Our scriptural job description. God has placed in His Word a spiritual job description for every born-again believer. And I want to just point out... Um, Six works of the believer mentioned in the New Testament. Okay, and I'll do this quickly, okay? Six works mentioned in the New Testament for every believer. Number one, to believe in Jesus. And you might say, no problem, I believe in Jesus. Well, listen, folks, to what this says. John six twenty-eight and 29. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now let me pose some questions for us as Christians, okay? Just listen. I'll report you decide, okay? Like Fox News, all right? Do we truly believe Jesus? Now, now, wait a minute before you answer yes, and I know you want to say, yeah, I do, I do. Do we believe that Jesus is God, the Son of God, the one who left heaven's throne room, who came to earth to reveal God to man, who became a man through the virgin birth, who lived on the earth, who performed multitudes of miracles who died on the cross, was buried, raised from the dead, ascended back into heaven, and will return again. And probably all of us as Christians would say, well, of course, you know I believe that. I wouldn't be at church if I didn't. But here's what I want you to understand. Belief is not just something in the mind. It is something in the heart. 
And beliefs are those things that we commit ourselves to. And folks, I want to ask this question of myself and of you. Do we believe to the point that all of our life on this earth is transformed by what we believe, is motivated by what we believe, and is guided by what we believe about Jesus Christ? Let me just give you one quick example. As we get farther in these job descriptions, you're going to say, I can't do that. Well, listen, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that if he has performed miracles while he was on this earth, why don't we believe the miracles that he can perform in our hearts and in our lives as we live each day following him? And and you see, I struggle with that too. God tells us, this is what I want you to do. We read a passage of Scripture and we know beyond the shadow of a doubt it's speaking to us, but yet we walk away from it. Do we believe in Jesus to the point that we will surrender our lives completely and totally to him? That's one of the first works that God wants us to do. That's our job description. We would be so yielded to Jesus that whatever he asks us to do, whatever he leads us to do, we would believe. It can be accomplished if we will believe. A second part of the job description is found in John 15:5. Listen to this. John 15:5 to abide in Jesus. You know that chapter. I'm going to tell you things you already know this morning. Jesus said, "I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." Are we bearing fruit as Christian? And first of all, let me point out that God wants us bearing the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And I'm just going to read these to you, okay? It's not going to be on the overhead. Listen to this. There are nine things. Listen to these nine things. And the first, of course, is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, if you and I have a job description at work, and it's got these things listed, and we have to meet annually with the, with the personnel committee, and they begin to point out some things in the job description that we're actually not either doing completely or having trouble with, what will they say? Do better. Try and do better. Make a better effort. And, folks, I want to tell you something about living for Jesus. We'll not do better until we abide in him. And that means we gain all of our spiritual strength and sustenance from him. And folks, when we begin to bear these fruit of the Spirit, guess what else will be born out of our life? Be the fruit of new believers. Others coming to Christ because of our abiding in Christ. And folks, people ought to want what they see in us if they see Jesus in us. And and I want to remind you again how big our sphere of influence is, what our territory is. Again, forgive me for talking about grandchildren. The other other night, Liam and and Ella were, were almost to the point of fighting because they had determined what was their territory, such as the recliner was Ella's and the couch was Liam's. 
And, and we all know if a child claims something, the other child wants it, correct? But folks, I want to ask you something. What is our territory as God's children? He wants us to be witnesses, and we're going to mention this in just a minute. But where does our territory begin? Our territory begins by living for Jesus, abiding in Him in the home, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, at the store, in our moment of recreation, and you just fill in the blank. That is our sphere of influence. In essence, wherever we go, our job description sticks to us that we're to be abiding in Christ and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, which will lead others to Christ, and we'll bear fruit of new believers. You know, I believe that we're going to reach more people outside of the church today than inside because more people are staying away than coming. And I thank you for coming. I want you to know that. But, folks, what I'm trying to say is you and I are getting equipped here, I pray, to go out and serve the Lord. A third part of the job description, listen to this, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. We become the light of the world. You know these verses. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand it gives light to all the house. Now listen to this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to Father who is in heaven. Folks, our good works must be done on a daily basis. And the whole purpose and the things that we do are to give glory to God. You know, something that I I think perhaps every minister has to deal with is is personal pride. And, and, And I struggle with that. You know, if something good happens at the church, then I want to take credit. But you know who takes credit? Who should get credit? Should be the Lord. Because when the Lord is getting credit, guess what? Other people are seeing the good works that we do that give glory not to ourselves, but give glory to God. And folks, that is so important that our good works that we're doing are not to build ourselves up or to build this church up or to brag about who we are or what we have done, but it is to give glory to God. You remember... That first verse, John 17, 4, Jesus said, I glorify thee on earth. And that's what the Lord wants us doing, glorifying him on earth. A fourth part of the job description, Acts 17, 6. Our work is to change our world. And you might say it's too far gone. It is not. I'm going to read one verse out of Acts 17, verse 6, and let me quickly give you the background. Paul and the other missionaries are in Thessalonica, and many people are being saved, but because people are turning to Jesus, the Jews have become jealous, and they cannot find Paul and the other missionaries to harm. So apparently there is a house church in the home of a man named Jason. And so they go to get Jason to kill him. And listen to this verse. When they could not find them, Paul and the others, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren before the city authorities, crying, these men have turned the world upside down. 
these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Folks, would that be said about us? Is our world turning us upside down? Is our world turning our churches upside down? Are we having such an influence on our world that our world is turning to Christ? And I think all of us know the answer to that in the year 2016. We're struggling, aren't we, as churches? Folks, we've got to believe again that greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. Satan's already been conquered at Calvary. A fifth work. John 13, 34, and 35. Let me read these verses. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Folks, one of our work, part of our job description is to love others inside and outside the church. Hard to do at both places, isn't it? Let's be honest. The flesh would want us divided. The flesh or the part of us not serving Jesus would want us angry with each other. And not only angry with each other, but angry with the people outside the church. Jesus said, you are to love others as I have loved you. And it's a commandment of Jesus. And folks, there was a song that we used to sing when I was in college, and I forgot to look and see if it's in our book. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. And, and again, I, you know, God forgive me for becoming so negative and so angry sometimes in the things that are going on in our world. The greatest thing that we can do for others within the church and outside the church is to love them like Jesus did. How much did he love you and me? How much does he love the world enough that he gave his body and his blood that we would know him? And a sixth and final one that I want to mention is we are to be Jesus' witnesses. Later on in John 17, Jesus said to those disciples, or he prays to the Father, as thou didst send me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. In John chapter 20, verse 21, after his resurrection, one of the first meetings that Jesus has with his disciples, he says, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And in Acts chapter 1, during those 40 days after his resurrection that Jesus was with his disciples, you remember again what he said? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. What is a witness? Someone that just tells what they've seen and what they know to be true. And that goes back to number one. Folks, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world and he's going to come back as the King of kings and Lord of lords, then why aren't we telling the story? And again, I'm speaking this to myself. We've got the best news that this planet could hear. Why aren't we telling it? Satan somehow has shut us up, hasn't he? And folks, I know it's getting harder and harder. I'm told by others that they can't speak of the Lord Jesus Christ at the workplace. Well, that's okay. 
because if we're shining as lights, guess what? They're going to see our give. They are going to see our good works that will give glory to God, and they'll turn to Him. Folks, listen. This is not a complete list, but only the beginning of the spiritual job description of the work that Jesus wants us doing every day. But here's where the problem comes for me, and I would think for you. Can we say to the Father, we have accomplished the work which thou gavest me to do? Jesus said, I've accomplished the work. And may taking the Lord's Supper remind us there's a lot of work that we need to be doing. But guess what? When we abide in him and he in us, we'll bear much fruit for him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, most of all for your son. And as you gave him a work to do for your kingdom, Help us to understand as believers that you have given us a work to do too. And God, I pray for each of us as Christians. Lord, I pray that I would not be tempted as a, as a minister to say, well, I'm a minister, I work for you every day, Lord. Help me to see that it's about what's happening in my heart and what's happening on a day-to-day basis. And it's not for pleasing men or giving glory to self, but it is to be found faithful to God who has loved us enough that his son left the throne room of heaven and came to a cross. Father, help us to examine our hearts and see if we're doing the work that you have assigned to each and every one of us. God, give us strength. Give us determination. God, use us that others will see your son in us and be drawn to him. Help us to love each other as your son instructed us, not only within the walls of the church, but without the walls of the church. And help us, Father, to be daily powered by your Holy Spirit. In these moments of invitation, I pray, Father, that you'd speak. God, I pray that if there's someone here that needs to profess faith in Christ as their Savior, that they might come forward. And I pray for all of us as Christians, if we need to make new commitments to you, whether it would be kneeling at the altar or standing um, in place in the pews, that we would make that commitment. God, help us to accomplish the work that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 436, Where He Leads Me. Let us stand together.